Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 702. Immerse yourself in the motorsport culture anywhere you can, ask nothing of others, and, and be the first to serve. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dave Buckholds. Hey, Dave, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Mark, tires are warm, track's hot, let's do it. All right, great. I love this. Dave Buckholz is the owner and driver at Two Tools Racing, where he's figured out how to wrap his passion for the Porsche Mark and sports car racing into his life. When he's not racing, Dave is an area sales manager for fleet and commercial with General Motors. He's a member of the Porsche Owners Club and a GT5 Time Attack driver and a licensed Time Attack and Performance Driving School instructor. I could learn a few things from you, I'm sure. So, Dave, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment before we jump into the questions and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for getting out on the track and having fun? Excellent. Wow. Thank you, Mark. Great intro. Nice intro. I feel like I have an awful lot to live up to all of a sudden. <laughs> so I, I hope I make it worth uh, you, your and your listeners' while. Uh, I have been uh, fortunate, uh, lucky, if you will. I've worked for three pretty incredible companies, most known by everybody, Campbell Soup, uh, Unilever, and now, as you said, General Motors. The common denominator throughout my career has been leadership or leadership roles, I should say. Just building, if you will, constructing high-performance teams, just paying acute attention to individual needs and culture probably is what has defined my approach, I would say, if anything. Yeah. But if you just strip it away, the companies, the titles, what have you, I really define myself more as just a hardcore sales guy who's been simultaneously uh, lucky uh, enough, as I see it, to have been blessed with a fairly healthy fear of failure. And I believe that that has been a huge motivator for me, obviously, throughout throughout my career, maybe in other endeavors as well. But I don't think there's anything necessarily magical about that or, or a certain DNA formula. I just believe that unless you're one of the uh, fortunate trust fund kids of some kind, regardless of your job or your title, you just got to bust your tail. Yep. You just have to get out there and bust your tail. I guess I just figured that out early, maybe from, you know, good parents. But uh, I've stayed true to that philosophy ever since, and it's just, it hasn't let me down, Mark. Absolutely. And, and we're going to learn a lot more about you and specifically get into your driving and your training yeah, and all, all that kind of fun stuff that you're having fun on the track, which I'm really jealous about. I used to do a lot of that. I haven't lately, but I got to get back to it. Come on back. Yeah, I know. I got to get back out there. Fire up the Porsche Turbo and get it on the track. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote and a mantra, some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your success along the way. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning or the uh, rubber heated up, as you said at the beginning here, before yeah, we right, go out and right. take some laps. So, Dave, take the wheel. Uh, excellent. Well, I'll touch on the, uh, the corporate side of my life for a second and just say this. For starters... Uh, I'm not a a big fan of those inspirational office posters. I know you know just which ones those oh, are. Yeah, yeah. There's no, you know, the no I in team ones, right? Uh -huh. Rising yeah. tides all lift off boats, soaring eagles. On. That, that's great. There's a time and place for that, I'm sure, and I'm, and I'm sure they work for many. But that's supposed to extract extra effort or commitment. It, it's just that's not been what 
has worked for me. Wherever I've worked or whatever I'm working on, I should say, I'm inspired by, I guess you'd call it the feeling, right? How it feels to actually be there doing it. If it feels good, great, you know, good people, good purpose, there's value and appreciation. That triggers that extra discretionary effort and I just give and give more. Yeah. Call it culture, if you will, right? uh-huh. you know, Mark. And uh, for me, it's, it's about the culture. That's what I strive to provide for my teams uh, wherever I've been. Just an incredible environment. But be- beyond the, I guess, work-related uh, inspirational piece, uh, which was that, I'd say the only principle I lean heavily on uh, at this time is probably so old school, Mark. It's new school. And I might, might even be embarrassing myself <laughs> by saying it, but it's just so true to, to me and my life. And that is just keep it real. It's how I approach work life, parenting, and connecting it to, to, to racing, if you will, and, and to the time on the track. It's really what fuels our team on the track. It's just straight up, zero pretense, um, have fun, uh, keep it real. Um, so I, I, I'd leave you with those two. Keeping it real. Well, definitely a good thing to do in business, but very important on the track because uh, you're talking about things that can uh, be life or death if you're not being straight up and forward and keeping it real on the track. That uh, is a good way to go when you're out there strapped into a fast-moving automobile. Well, let's go back in time a little bit to kind of set things up as we move along how you got involved in racing outside of your Mm -hmm. professional career. Yeah, let's go back in time and talk about what instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you look back that you realize that you indeed were a car guy? Oh, that's a great one. Love it, Mark. Thank you. It's the the journey, right? I think that's what you're asking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, well... You know, I didn't really know that I had that spark of inspirational moment or that I, would, that I had that DNA perhaps till later in my life. But looking back on it, uh, I, I think I can pinpoint. So I'll take you back there briefly with me. It started with my grandfather. Uh-huh. He was, uh, he was uh, an eccentric entrepreneur type, an inventor, self-made uh, renaissance man, if you will. He had many cars. Uh, one in particular was a 64 red Corvette, completely hot rod version, if you will. Yeah. He was a character. Uh, the best way I could describe uh, a paint a picture for the audience would be a picture of Salvador Dali uh, in an olive green one-piece jumpsuit, diamond stud earring, wax tip mustache, genuine like a, a gold bloom around his neck. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and uh, no, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. And a uh, and a palm all hanging off his lip. I mean, this this he was one in a million. He he just was one in a million. I would sit in his garage. Uh, he had, uh, back in the day, uh, I think it was like a seven car garage, something just crazy. And, uh, yeah. on the far right side was the prize possession, the Corvette. I just sit in that thing, clicking through the gears <laughs> and soaking up that, that particular smell. And I think you're, that's what I'm talking about is that smell of leather, fuel, steel, that, uh, air cooled old car type smell. Right. Uh, it was just intoxicating. He would take us for rides. This was, Maybe uh, mid seventies, but uh-huh. through the neighborhood. Get mind you, through the neighborhood, just ridiculous speed. But ultimately, um, I got behind the wheel, and my love for fast, cool cars was born. And I think it would probably uh, be that would be the tipping point. It, it, but the journey, I think there's probably two more cars that really solidified it. The next one would have been uh, our plan. Excuse me, our our family, um, I'll call it sleeper because no one knew how powerful this little car was. A 73 Dodge Scamp. Oh, the Scamp. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, that was crazy. Not many out there, at least I didn't see many, but that was inherited to us by our great-grandfather. Had a 318 cubic inch 
V8, and uh, what was fun is we just consistently dust uh, the muscle cars of the era. Upgraded it, of course, with the uh, requisite underdash cassette player, Jensen coax with speakers under the rear deck, up front bench seat, pale, flat yellow, but I just loved it. <laughs> I didn't think it could get any better. I, re- I really did. A lot of firsts uh, in that car. But then I got my very own my very own first car, first auto loan uh, as well. For 119 bucks a month, I bought myself a 86 uh, red VW GTI. And damn, I mean, that was that was a hot wheel. That was just a really, really fun car. Learned sick um, uh, on that car and also learned really the uh, – the value or how much I appreciated, if you will, a German engineering. And I really started from that point on, which is about maybe 86 ish yeah. through, I would say 2004, five, uh, that was an automotive drought for me, you know, company cars. So think, uh, Dodge dynasty, yeah. uh, shadow, yeah. Tauruses, et cetera. Yeah. That was my drought. That was my drought. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you go back to that scamp. I remember those things. You could order that with two hood scoops on the front of those things and it had a stripe that ran up the rear fender across yeah. the back trunk yeah. deck lid and down. And yeah, they were kind of a, well, they were a sleeper kind of car because it just kind of yeah. looked like a little, especially yeah. the, the two door version looked like a little, a uh, little businessman's car. He cruise around. It here, was but, a two door. Yeah. It was a two door and it looked business there was nothing sexy about it whatsoever, but yeah. it, it could get up and go. <laughs> Very cool. And of course, I love the German cars. My listeners know. And, uh, first car my wife and I bought together was a uh, Jetta GLI and mm-hmm. had a little rubber mm-hmm. scoop on the back deck, kind of make it sporty and so forth. Yeah, but it was fun. You just take it on road trips yeah. all the time. Yeah. Great little cars. I love them. Well, Dave, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a huge challenge or a big failure. Kind of take us to that painful point in time and walk us through it. But then tell us more importantly how you overcame the situation and how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your career, your business, or out on the track. Yeah, sure, sure. So it's the uh, in, in my son's language nowadays, this would be the epic fails portion of our conversation, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, I hear that from yeah, my kids okay. too. Epic fail, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, um you know, I, I'm sure I have a couple of those buried in my closet. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, I don't have a real big one here for you. But I am um, in the real estate business part-time on the entrepreneurial side, if you will. So as you can imagine, over the last uh, two, three decades, there's been a couple uh, periods where Just I've, a taken, few. I've yeah. taken a few, <laughs> I've taken a few bruises. So having said that, I guess for me, it'd be more about my challenges, Mark, and perhaps the most significant challenge I can think of has been one more or less defined by its persistence uh, in my life. That would be my adult life, I should say. Uh, how do I keep work from uh, controlling my life? How do I keep work, you know, in its in its place? And, and you know, I have a lot of respect and admiration for those who uh, are are blessed to have that. I, I want to, you know, work is everything, and work is their life, and work is where they pull all their joy and fun from. Amen. Right? That's yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. A little different scenario for me. In other words, I want to uh, work to live uh, and not necessarily the other way around, right? Live to work. Right. Uh, so the challenge I have is to maintain that perspective, that, that balance. It's something I think about. I try to practice every day, somehow, some way, even if it's in a small way. But uh, I would say that would be it for you, Mark. What's the takeaway for you? Because this is something that a lot of people struggle with, and especially young people. 
as they start to have a family and they're very active in their business. They love it. They do it all the time. But then it starts to encroach into family life, your kids, your spouse. Uh, It becomes a real problem and it can lead to disastrous results, you know, splits between family members, divorces, things like that. So what's your takeaway of how you find a way to balance that work-life continuum, if you will? Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe I think you have to get to a point I don't know if you want to call that rock bottom or not, but just get to a point where you have that moment where you realize uh, you need to re-rack your priorities. And if you don't have that moment, then I would say maybe just think about talking to your future self, right? And, uh, and, yeah. and, uh, and I guarantee you, your future self is going to say to you, really, that's how you want to spend those couple hours right now, yep. uh, this evening, uh, you know, get home. Yeah, yeah. That, that type of thing. I'm, sim- I'm simplifying and I know that, but... As an older guy, um, not in the 20s anymore, I can tell you that I can look back and see those moments already. And fortunately, I think for myself, at least, as I uh, had that realization and was able to pivot, you know, of course, correct a little bit, make the adjustments and put that balance in place. And uh, I'm grateful for that. So it it certainly works for me, Mark. I like the concept of talking to your future self and... I'll tell you, for the listeners out there that are young, I'm an older guy. I've been there and kind of done some of that, and I've got adult kids now. But when I look back at Mm. how fast that time went by with my children and how I would give almost anything to get some of those hours back where I felt like work was more important than maybe going to that track meet or that recital or coming home and spending an evening with them, you never get those hours back ever, ever, ever. So, uh, yeah, talk to your future self and evaluate what you're doing doing because you know most of the time that stuff can wait and it it will be there when you go back later so uh very well said yeah very well said let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum i'd love for you to share what i call a career aha moment it's kind of a time when uh, you kind of redefine Mm -hmm. and a new path to go down maybe for you is when you decide you know what i'm going to take some time out of my busy Mm -hmm. professional career and go racing and have fun and and do something there so what was your aha moment that's a, a great question, uh, Mark. If you think of it from an uh, entrepreneurial side, perhaps, I mean, my aha moment would not have come, therefore, from my, my corporate roles, but certainly more so from my part-time entrepreneurial endeavors. That's where I think those aha moments were really pronounced. I have a couple. I'll, I'll give you two quick ones, okay? Okay. My wife and I were uh, flipping houses, and that sounds like somewhat cliche, I guess, in 2017. But the, the backstory is we were doing it long before there was a name for it. I would have to explain to people, you know, buy some real estate, underappreciate, put your sweat equity, but explain what that meant. No yeah. explanation necessary anymore, right? Right. Uh, but this was long before it was the cottage industry or anything. Seriously, no one knew what the hell we were doing or why anyone in their right mind would want to sleep on a pile of drywall in a three-wall house for months on end. But I kid you not, I kid you not, I have the pictures to prove it. That's just what we did for a long time. And uh, not many, but we've done about 25 homes in 25 years or so. Wow. The aha moment, to, to, to get to your question, came on that first payday off the first flip. I remember talking to our accountant and saying, are you sure? I mean, really, is this, this is, this is take home. Uh, like, are you kidding me? And we took that pile of cash, immediately bought another. I saw the potential. We saw the potential. It was the aha moment. We never looked back. And that's been, uh, that's been quite a, quite a journey. Yeah. The other uh, aha moment, that one came, uh, that was a little different. Uh, it came during our first several months after our son was born. We were experienced. That's why I can describe it, Mark. It's experience that we were feeling. Okay. I was saying my wife's thing compared to other parents around us was, 
oddly uh, different, okay, just, hmm. just different. Um, we never got those uh, proverbial rose-colored glasses, I guess every other, you know, parent was wearing. Uh-huh. So um, in, in a moment of, um, uh, I guess, uh, the, the entrepreneurial aha moment, well, we decided to print uh, our reality as we saw it on a collection of uh, infant T-shirts, hats, onesies, et cetera. We created a business, the Bitterstroms. And uh, long story short, uh, it, ex- it exploded. So we, <laughs> we struck a chord with a certain population. And really, that chord was, was hit just by uh, keeping it real. I mean, we are true to ourselves, true to the feeling. And we thought someone else out there has got to be feeling like we're feeling. Yeah. And we capitalized on that, turned it into a business. And uh, it was just uh, wildly successful. Well, give me an example. You said you printed concepts or ideas on onesies that babies would wear, or bibs or shirts or T-shirts or whatever. Yeah. Well, give me right. an example of one. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll give you some of the uh, the best sellers, and that would be uh, Nordstrom was a big customer and uh, in lot of boutiques, and this was nationally. And I would say maybe the top four or five would have been. My parents are exhausted. <laughs> I take the joy. <laughs> I take the joy out of shopping. Keep in mind, this is only in the tea, right? I take the joy out of shopping. Uh, I've been whining all my life. Um, <laughs> I cheated Candyland. That was a, that was a big one too. Yeah. Timeouts don't phase me, and uh, maybe the one of the best one was uh, I make dining out miserable. But you get a flavor of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. When I go back to those days, uh, I can think of a few too. So uh, <laughs> I, I understand. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, a, it's a yeah. fun story, even though it's not car related, because it does bring out the entrepreneurial side of what you're all about. So I think that's great that you've turned these uh, concepts and ideas into businesses. It gets the imaginative juices flowing in my mind, at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about your first getting back to cars here, because we're on cars, yeah. Let's talk about your first really special car and maybe share a memory you have with that vehicle. Ah, uh, love to. Of course, other than the three cars influenced me as a youth, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, one car, it would be a Porsche. I, I have to cut right to the chase. It would be a Porsche. Not a particularly fast or flashy one. I've owned a, uh, well, what's a 2008 997 Turbo, which was awesome. Yeah. But it was a, a simple polar silver 95 993 cab mm. with RS wheels that became my first, I mean, truly, truly standout special car. I had so many great experiences. It's hard to say one may be better than the other. Yeah. Happy to share one or two of those special experiences with you if you'd like, Mark. Yeah, for sure. I love the 993. I had a 98 uh, 993 C4S. Uh was just oh, a, a wonder, yeah. wonderful car, fun car, daily driver for several years here up in the Northwest, which it was great when Beautiful. it got slippery and icy, but yeah, share one of those uh, memories in that cab. Sure, sure. Well, you, you can you can relate. Uh, so cruising down PCH, Pacific Coast Highway, PCH between uh, Laguna Beach and Newport Beach, this is long before the development came across from Crystal Coast State Park. Uh, it still is, but it was more so than just this glorious stretch of near private asphalt. I got to ride on it every day, and... Uh, it was my brother actually who, who used this phrase, and but it, it really fits. It felt like I was in a movie. It just felt like you were in a set of a movie. Just <laughs> yeah. like really, it's just it was just surreal. The other um, the other memory specifically to that car uh, was going to Cars and Coffee, which uh, I think all your listeners know what those are. Oh yeah. But this was a Cars and Coffee that started at, at Crystal Cove, moved out to Irvine, and uh, we used to go there with my son. He was uh, probably around six and seven those two two years during that time period. We take Laguna Canyon Road again before a lot of the development came. Put the top down and just flat six 
barking. Beautiful. We talk <laughs> about apexes. We pretend we're on the racetrack, carve out a racing line. And always it's fun to talk about what do we think we'll see, you know, when we got there. What would be the special car that we'd be so thrilled if we got a chance to see? And of course, as every dad does, uh, you you know, you let your car, you let your kid lean over and grab the steering wheel and do some left hand steering. So those are some of my. Uh, special memories uh, in that first very special car. Yeah, nice. Uh, nothing like driving down the coast highway in a cab. I had an yeah. 84 Carrera Cabriolet that I drove to work every day. I used to drive from Del Mar down into downtown San Diego and uh, always would cut off there at Torrey Pines and go down the grade along the ocean on my way home. And uh, so nice. Nice. I miss that as I, as I sit there and look out my window and it's snowing this morning where I live. So, uh, Oh, my goodness. Crazy. Well, how about Seller's Remorse? Is there one car you've let go that you really wish you had back? I'll take Seller's Remorse, please, for 2500 mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, the 2500 represents uh, the amount of money that uh, uh, I got for letting it go. And that's just ridiculous. But I've, I've, I've let a few go. The one I think I'd like to have back maybe had more sentimental value to our whole family than maybe just myself. But it, it was against my wife and my son's best wishes. I sold our 87 Chevy 1500 Silverado. It was originally my father-in-law's from Ohio. This was just a, a, a classic, no-frills work truck. It was big, brash, very loud, very rough. We called it the Beast. And <laughs> on, on occasion, or my son came by the name, but on occasion, uh, we still see the Beast on Pacific Coast Highway down towards uh, south of the Beach. It's absolutely wow. unchanged. And we all wish like we still had it. We take pictures and we see it. We call it the beast sighting. And I just wish that car was still in our family. Well, you went down a road I never thought you'd go down. I thought it'd be some old Porsche, a Long Hood or a 356 or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the beast. Wow. Well, that's an interesting one. <laughs> Very cool. Well, you tell you what, the, uh, I let, I let the, uh, the old way turbo go and the, uh, the 87 Chevy 1500, you know, trumps that. So it wow. tells you just how important that, uh, that truck meant to, uh, uh, yeah, meant to our family. I think so. Yeah. Very cool. Well, let's talk about today. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about two tools racing. We haven't really talked about what you're doing with, uh, uh sure. I think it's with your brother and a buddy. Is that right? Well, my, my, my brother and, uh, and my son. So, uh, both are my buddies, but yeah, there you go. my son. So <laughs> okay. it's a family, it's a family endeavor. Tell our listeners about how, as busy as you are with your career and yeah. all the things you've done, how have you incorporated racing into your life? Because there's a lot of folks out there that think I can never do that for one reason or another. It's too expensive. I don't have time, but there is a way to do yeah. it. There's lots of ways to do it. So how have you figured out how to incorporate yeah. racing into your life? Yeah, that, that that's a, a great question. And, and prior to taking up the hobby, uh, I would have thought uh, it would have been you know, perhaps too time consuming, certainly without doubt uh, too expensive. Uh, one person, I don't recall the name of him, and maybe it's a, a common saying, but uh, he told me many, many years ago, I think I was uh, grousing or complaining about having to replace a particular part. He looked at me and just said, what part of Porsche racing don't you understand? Like, ah, I get it. It costs money, and it does, okay? But you can do it on a budget. You truly can. You don't have to have fancy cars. You don't have to have a lot of miles. You don't have to do it every single weekend. You don't need to pay for, uh, for you know, very uh, for special instruction, if you will, if you go to the right club. Those things are included. So it is definitely within reach. It's definitely accessible. And if you have any interest whatsoever, there's plenty of car clubs out there. I'm an ambassador, if you will, self-appointed. For the Porsche Owners Club, love to talk about that a little bit later on. Yeah. But it's within reach. As far as my my team, if you will, Two Tools Racing, 
Currently, we run my 96. So I had it earlier, 95. You mentioned your 98. We run a 96.993 C2. To all the purists out there, they should cover their ears because it is far from stock. <laughs> um, and, and I know that's probably something that most wouldn't do. But you know, I, I get a lot of looks at, uh, at the track and other, uh, and other places. But that's okay, right? It's, it's following what you want to do. So it's got the cage, the 3.8 RS wing, Recaro seat, Schrock harnesses, Momo wheel, quick release. Factory seat, the lead in the rear, RS clutch and flywheel, uh, big air front intakes, Fister 3 exhaust, a bunch of tariff suspension goodies, KW motor sort suspension. It slammed, um, you know, career super cup type slams. It's, right. just, it's totally awesome. Love cool, it. So you can cool. paint a picture of it. Yeah, and it, it, uh, it gets up and, and gets busy. But what I'm really stoked about, obviously, I love the car and love, love that. But what I'm really stoked about, I would say, is the uh, a 99 base boxer track car that we're uh, getting ready to start building right now. This would be the uh, expansion plan, if you will, to the team. Valley Motorsports out of Corona is going to do the work for us. I wish I could say I'm a wrencher, but truthfully, I'm not. But to hire good people and, and let them take care of your car and keep you safe has it's been my mantra. Yeah. The car itself, not necessarily anything unique, Mark, but except for the fact that it is, it is for and purchased by uh, my 14-year-old son. He's financing it through his own business. He started it when he was seven. Wow. So I am... Yeah, I'm. Um, if you can see me now, I'm beaming. The apple did not fall far off of that tree. That's for sure. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, but the notion of him being out on the track with me, behind me, of course, is just uh, <laughs> careful, too, Dad. Too, too cool. he, he might he might have a, a few uh, advantages on you there. One being a weight advantage, usually when your son's trust usually me. smaller than you. So, <laughs> trust me, trust me. We we talk about that every time we uh, we go karting, and he he so proudly waves his first place trophy in my uh, face. I yeah. remind him about uh, of the two, of the one hundred pound disadvantage. But yeah. I had to say that because ultimately he's going to listen to this, and uh, <laughs> I have to bust his chops a little bit. There so. you go. But it's pretty cool. He does have the same track day addiction that that I do. No doubt about that. The difference at this point, at least, is that it's, it's quite apparent that he's a natural, whereas I'd classify myself perhaps more as a perpetual student. So uh-huh. uh, it'll be maybe on the second day but the first weekend that he, he eclipses me. But that's okay. <laughs> that's how it should be, right? Yeah. My brother, Steve, who you mentioned earlier, uh, is also part of the team. Uh, he's he's definitely a car guy. He's more of a mechanically inclined as well. He recently converted after a 50-year love affair with Corvette. He bought a Porsche, a Boxer, also nice. 99. So same as same as my son. So he'll be on track with me, and my boy, a little bit later on this season. Yeah. He's also the team's self-appointed crew chief, strategist, logistics manager. And for those who know us and our team, hard not to laugh. Those titles are absolutely. A ridiculously a joke, right? Uh, and, and, and the joke lies in, in the team name. And if yeah. you can figure that out, then that's fantastic. So we have an awful, awful uh, lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. What's your son's name? Uh, Vanis. V-A-N-I-S. Vanis. A shout out to uh, Steve and Vanis there. Uh, good luck with the racing. And Vanis, uh, yeah, stay on your dad's tail. Push, push, push. He understands that language. But drive your own race. That's the most important thing. I remember a, uh, a fellow racer when I was vintage racing said that to me once. He goes, always drive your own race. Otherwise, you might drive right into the same wall the guy in front of you just drove into. So yes, <laughs> yeah. that's fantastic. Great point. Very fun. Well, I'm so happy that you're having fun and to bring your Son into the fold of the team. Now you're going to have to change the name to Three Tools Racing. That'll have to be done. Yeah. <laughs> very, yeah. very cool. Here's a very introspective question for you, Dave. If you were a mm. car, what kind of car would Dave be and why? 
Uh, let's see. Well, what I'm um, perfect because what I'd want to be would be a 993 GT2, right? Oh, RF, oh, yeah. powerful, pure, okay. raw, yeah. rare. I mean, anyone out there in the Porsche world knows just what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what I'd want to be, but the mirror test, what I actually see myself as, that's utterly different uh, in various lengths, but I'll go with it. Uh, probably a 70s VW bus. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. More, <laughs> more, uh, more, uh, you know, more old school, timeless, right? Uh, honest, classic, simple. And uh, if, if none of that applies, you can't say the description of being fun wouldn't. So that's probably who I would see in the mirror most. I like that. Well, being down there in Newport Beach where you live, that kind of fits with uh, cruising down the coast highway with a couple long boards, oh, yeah. long boards strapped to the top of that VW bus and uh, hair yeah. blowing in the wind. So I like that. Sure. sure. <laughs> nice picture. Well, Dave, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Driving never meant more as the all-new driving adventure awaits you with a not-for-profit drive toward a cure. Combines two spirited drives for a weekend of cars and camaraderie in Paso Robles, California. All to support finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. In a showcase of ribbon roads in California of chrome and elegance, Coming up this April 28th, enjoy some of the nicest cars, people, drives, wine tasting, and luxury receptions while driving towards a cure for Parkinson's. To register or donate, click on drivetowardacure.com or check out Cars Yeah guest Deb Pollock's show notes page where there's links to drive toward a cure. Donate today or better yet, go for the drive. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, Dave, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You know what that means. It's time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. Let's do it. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Oh, you know, I had the the, uh, good fortune, Mark, of meeting having a meeting with uh, Scott Atherton, and for those who don't know him, he was the uh, former COO, at the time at least, uh, of the uh, ALMS series. Mm. Uh, we met in his Atlanta office. Uh, he had invited me there to discuss motorsports. Uh, that's one invitation you don't turn down. So right. I bought a flight, spent the day with him, and it was fantastic. He was very generous, very kind. Well, he offered me this. The conversation was covered a wide range of things, but relative to your question, he offered me this. He said, Dave, 
immerse yourself in the motorsport culture anywhere you can, ask nothing of others, and, and be the first to serve. Mm. And for me, hearing that and the parallels between that and my leadership style and my leadership approach, it was uncanny. There was just so many parallels. It was easy for me to, and natural, for me to run with it. It became my calling card, if you will. Uh, everything I've done in the motorsport community since that point uh, has been steered by really that one simple notion, you know, serve first, just serve first. Of course, smile, keep it real, right? Uh, but, uh, but serve first. And, and think about this. I think about this. Six, seven years ago, and now but looking back to that point, and following that simple uh, mantra, and I'm sitting here talking to you. So yep. it's just, it's just, how cool is that? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. You know, I've heard this from many people. I just had a guest on the show the other day, Steve Ford, who's an awesome guy. He's known as thecarguy.com. That's his website, which is yeah. incredible. And he said the same thing. And you listen to people like leaders like Tony Robbins and other people serve, 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 find a way to serve in what you're doing. And it always comes back around to be uh, helpful in your life. Now, uh, how about a personal habit? Do you have one that you think has contributed to your success? I do. Not sure it would be uh, a habit, uh, maybe more of a condition. At least that's what my family swears it is. They think I have uh, OCD. <laughs> maybe I do. Maybe I do. Because I, you tell me, okay? Just because I like to create lists, okay? Keep yep. me focused. And yep. the items on my desk, they have to be in their certain precisely measured and assigned locations. Uh-huh. That doesn't necessarily mean it could, right? It could. Yep. But um, I don't know. Maybe that compulsion uh, is there for good reason. But um, I think it's actually helped me in being uh, focused and disciplined. But um, other than that, I can say that I do have one other one that I think everyone would know. Uh, defines me as well. I'm sure this one is a habit. And that is when I'm done working, I have no problem turning off the phone, turning off the laptop. When I'm done, I'm done. Mm. It's easy for me to unplug and walk away. I think it's vital for me at least. Uh, I get it. But for me to keep working uh, the work life and the, and the personal life uh, separate and to be able to truly uh, unplug, disengage, re-engage and be present uh, in the other part of your life is something that's uh, a habit for myself. Yeah, you know, it goes back to your comments being made of that work-family balance, life balance. Yeah, there you go. We talked, and, yeah. and it's a tough thing to do, and I, I share that compulsiveness with you. My my desk is always very okay. tidy, tidy okay. and orderly. Okay. My garage is spotless. I mean, you just ask my wife, she just it cracks her up. Yeah, I, I have to have that order in my life. That's just the way I get along better. When things start piling yeah. up around me, I start going, ah, <laughs> does it work for not me? Ashamed, not a not ashamed to admit it. it, hey, you if, it, works, own it. if it works, it works. Uh, how about a resource? Yeah. Is there one in particular you think our listeners would enjoy that you enjoy? I have a long list. I'll cut right to this one because this one really is what sparked Everything in the motorsport community for me over the last six, seven years was, was triggered by this one uh, action or resource. And I would say if you're into sports cars in any way, shape, or form, you like to get on the gas, as, as many sports car enthusiasts do. If you haven't already, seriously consider joining uh, your local racing club. There is, a, it, there is a plethora of knowledge, and there is an abundance of fun waiting for you out there. Learn the craft. It's not the same as getting on the gas. Going down the 405, I mean, truly learn the craft, really learn it, meet like-minded people, share your passion, give back, bring others along. 
the veteran guys in the car clubs, they are a wealth of knowledge. And yeah. if you approach the situation kind of in that mindset we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, you will just soak it up. I'm fortunate to live here in Southern California where my team can run with the Porsche Owners Club. They are an incredible organization. They have something for everyone. Like I said earlier about getting started, just take a performance driving series, get on the track, learn the craft, learn the skills, safe, controlled environment. Yeah. But as an ambassador for the club, I would be delighted to help anybody that wanted to know more about it, how to get started, A to Z, hand-holding, whatever you might need. Just hit me up. You can, you know, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about more about that, uh, how yeah. to contact me at the end on my Facebook, stuff like that. But that'll be more of the resource I would point my list, uh, your listeners to, Mark. Great. Awesome. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry or field that is living or deceased, who would it be? I'll get to someone I think the audience would know uh, in about maybe 10 seconds, but I got to get, uh, I got to start with the original car guy in my life, in my world, that'd be uh, my grandfather I spoke about earlier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he, I, I would love to just tell him now, you know, show him now what we're doing with our cars, our team. He would just have so much fun with that. Knowing his great grandson had the bug too, that would be incredible. But right. Other than Grandpa, right? This would be an easy one for me to be Paul Newman. Uh, he raced against my uncle back in the day. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And got great footage from that, great stories from that. My uncle was the real deal uh, and raced competitively and obviously was on a track uh, with Paul Newman. I'd like, well, many people, I know I'm not unique in that regard, admire his kindness and his humbleness, and, and uh, I find certain parallels with me in that regard. And i just like to be able to say I met him. Yeah. What you guys talk about? Mm-hmm. We talked about race cars. Cars. That would just be... Yeah, that would just be fantastic. Matt D'Andrea, who I had on my show last year, put together a film about him. And it's uh, you've probably seen it, but it's a documentary about Paul Newman, his racing and so forth. It's fantastic. That'd be a good one. How about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think that our listeners would enjoy? Uh, easy. I'm switching gears on, on you in this one, okay? Rockers and Rollers. Rockers and Rollers. It's by Brian Johnson. Oh, Brian, okay. Yeah. ACDC. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, you do. Uh, lead singer of ACDC. Of course, say, of course, okay, yeah. Greatest band in the history of everything. All <laughs> yeah, right, so rock on. on. Yeah. I'll, take, I'll take on all challengers. Anyway, that that book to me was, is just fantastic, uh, but I do need to put uh, a little PSA warning out there, Mark. If the book is not for everybody, hey, if you get a little uptight over the F-bomb, I get it. Uh, or if you're easily offended by you know the rock and roll lifestyle and all that that is, right. I'd say, hey, just make, stay away from this one. But if that stuff doesn't rattle you, the stories woven together around cars, cars of all kinds, yep. racing, and rock and roll, those stories kind of woven together. They're just, they're epic. Uh, and I would say if, uh, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, you will not be disappointed. Yeah. I've been trying to get Brian on the show. He's very busy still to this day. I mean, the guy's just so active and he's, of course, very active in the automotive industry and field yeah. as well. He's just a car, loves cars. So I'll snag him one of these days. He'll be an interesting talk. I appreciate you mentioning that book. And I'll remind our listeners that you can find all of Dave's great recommended resources on his show notes page at the Cars Yeah website, carsyeah.com slash Dave Buckholz. Dave's last name is B-U-C-K-H-O-L-Z. And there's another great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book will be listed along with the past 700 plus guest books there for Quick, easy clicks to buy. You just go there, check them out, click. takes you right to Amazon. You can buy the book. It's really cool. All right, we're up to the checkered flag. Yeah, it's kind of a neat resource. And you're the first one to recommend that book by Brian, too. So that's that's cool. We have a new one there. So Nice. Yeah, good. Good. All right, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one very cool collector car or vintage race car in your garage, and I'll buy you anything you'd like today, Dave, what would that car be and why? 
Ah, okay. This is a fantasy game that I think every uh, every car every guy plays. Their kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I've been playing. I, I got an advantage. I've been playing this one for fourteen years with my kid, and uh, okay. although we typically play it uh, with a stipulation of three cars, and you can't never sell them, you can't flip them, and that's the only cards you get to have. But I get it. All those rules apply, but you only get one in this yeah, game. Yeah. Sorry. You got it. You got it. You got it. Uh, I narrowed down to pick one. Uh, I mentioned earlier, and with, with no hesitation, it would be the 990, uh, 993 GT2 RS. Oh. Uh, that would be the car I'd want to uh, open the garage door and wake up the neighbors and just pull out uh, yeah. and, and have a blast. Yeah. Uh. And depending on your budget, of course, you want to throw me a 64 red, red Corvette. Take that, too. Well, of course you would. Now, you only of get course. one today because since, you know, I've bought over 700 cars now. So my pocketbooks, oh my, my wallet's right. getting a little thin, but, um, and it's, it's not going to be any thicker with that one because those are a little pricey. But yeah, I uh, yeah, would sh- share your passion with that car. Fantastic. What color would you like that RS to be in? I'd take it in any color, <laughs> but silver would be, silver, silver would be just Well, your, your race car. Yeah, match, match yeah. The color of my car. Yeah, um, your 993 silver. Mine was silver too. So I love that color. It's been one of my favorites. My, my daily driver is a, a M3. It's silver. So, uh, yeah, I like silver cars. Yeah, it's can't nice. Go wrong. Yeah. And these days you can wrap them in anything. So change the color right, of whatever, right. whatever you want. Well, Dave, you've taken me on an awesome journey around the track today. I knew you would. And I really appreciate you taking some time out for us and for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yell listeners. Could you give me and our listeners one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off down the track in that 993 GT2 RS? Okay. Thank you. Mark, if my entrepreneurial experience, my career, or maybe just being a husband and father and having track day experience have taught me anything, I would say it is to be true to yourself. Mm. I know that that's not always easy, and I can attest to that. And it's certainly not always popular. It does come with risks. But uh, I believe if you're willing to follow that path, that your conviction in some way will be rewarded, whether that's in accomplishments or financial gains or or whatever else but maybe maybe more importantly in your own personal happiness or maybe the happiness that you bring to others i would say that uh, my parting thought would be uh be true to yourself yeah that, that's what i leave you with keep it real right well there you go that's yeah just, keep it real well different different yeah what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and keep up with what you're doing these days that would be really easy. <laughs> Speaking of keeping it simple, I guess. Uh, our social media empire is limited to Facebook. Uh, but, boy, I'd love to have any anyone that was interested in knowing more about Two Tools Racing or Porsche Owners Club uh, or just wants to connect. Uh, I'm always willing to make a new friend in the North Sports automotive world. So, please, feel free to stop by, check out the page, drop us a like. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, Mark, this was an absolute blast. Truly, this was a blast. Uh, I can't thank you enough for letting me share my entire story with you uh, and with your audience. Well, it's been a pleasure of mine, too. And I'll tell the listeners out there, you know, I'm I'm chasing down lots of people all the time. And sometimes it's kind of hard to find people and track them down and get them on the show. But Dave has been so grateful, so helpful. He was easy to communicate with, jumped right on board, and you made this a great talk. So thank you, Dave, for uh, sharing your experiences with the Cars Yow listeners. I really, really appreciate it, and thank you for being so generous with your time and your expertise. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thank you. The pleasure is all mine. We'll see you. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!